Live here on a uh, Tuesday night, the 6th of uh, October. I almost said the 6th of May, but it's uh, the 6th of October, 2020, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. As uh, we're, we go from dealing with absolutely, absolutely nothing, Mr. Rayo, to a, a what looked like it may be a smooth sail through the holiday weekend. Now we have, of course, a Category 4 hurricane. Hurricane Delta, who may may even wind up getting to a Category 5 the way it's going. Uh, the uh, risk for rain here later in the holiday weekend seems to be going up with every passing model run. And we have a wind advisory up for tomorrow afternoon <laughs> into Thursday morning. So I'm kind, of, uh, I'm kind of wondering whether or not a wind advisory would really be bad. I'm thinking, I, I say, uh, what would be the at least up here in the Hudson Valley. We also are under a wind advisory right. for tomorrow, too. And I say, what would be the strongest winds we'd, we'd see here? And I'd say maybe a gust or two upwards to 35 to 40. I think that that's not quite at criteria level, but I guess the uh, folks over at the Weather Service just decided, let's broad brush the whole area just for the sake well, of- Well, they're, uh, they're pushing gusts of 45 to 55. I, I'm not 55. I don't think is going to happen. 45. All right. I I did see a couple of RPM runs that suggested, for example, that Newburgh might get up as high as 43. But I think right. in general, we're looking at 30 to 40 mile per hour wind gusts, which is still fairly potent. In fact, I'll tell you how potent it is. My 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 back and front lawn. Most of the lawn was covered already with gold and yellow uh, leaves that have fallen. And I, I mulched them in this afternoon. I said, I might as well get rid of these leaves now because a ton more are coming down uh, between now and the end of the day tomorrow. So yeah, um, you no question about it. We are going to be in a, in a gusty breeze tomorrow. You, uh, you, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I, it, was, I, uh, it was alerted to me uh, earlier today. But apparently uh, something's going on at the Upton office in New York that uh, – required them to, I don't know if they took the system down there for one reason or another, or if there's some sort of something going on, but uh, Boston is doing the forecast for, for Upton, for the, oh, New, really? York, for the New York zone. You so know, I, 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 I didn't realize that. I didn't look at the, the forecast specifically, uh, but I did notice that they said the KW035 might be off the air for a while today. Yeah. So they must so. be doing some sort of uh, uh, full house maintenance, I guess. I ought to ask Bill Goodman what's going on because uh, uh, he, he messaged me earlier, but I didn't even get a chance to uh, to answer him back. So th that could be the reason, maybe the wind advisory, because Boston put up a high wind watch for a good chunk of Massachusetts uh, uh, and for uh, southeastern New England. So I guess maybe they're thinking that Albany did the Albany zones, unless Albany was also, maybe Boston was doing both of them. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that the Upton, uh, they're doing the Upton zones. So, right. well, you know, it, I, it, I would think that, though, if you live in this area and have been doing the weather for a while, you might know a few things about the climate overall uh, that a, a person who is outside of the area, you know, just arbitrarily would look at the, the date and say, all right, we're going to do this and that or whatever. But, you know, it's it, it, better safe than sorry. It will yeah. be a dusty day tomorrow. Um, Particularly in the afternoon and, and into tomorrow night, I guess they're looking at. I think they're 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 looking at that low going up through uh, northern New England, where there might be some showers and, and maybe even a uh, a thunderstorm or two in the mix there. 
and uh, the the, uh, the low strengthening, the upper trough swinging around, the gradient gets a little bit tight. So I'm I'm thinking that that's the mindset. Uh, the winds are going to gust from the southwest from the southwest before the cold front comes through, and right. it's coming through pretty right. quick. So uh, that and maybe there's uh, I, I didn't get a I didn't get a chance to get a give a good look at the whole upper air prof- profile. Maybe the winds are stronger aloft, and they're expecting some of that to mix down uh, to the surface. Um, perhaps that's the mind that that's the mindset. I don't want to think want everybody to think that we're we're not completely unprepared for the show tonight. But I've been spending a lot of time looking with with what's going on with um, Hurricane Delta, and Joe, I, I, one of the things over the years watching some of these major hurricanes when they develop, when when they start off going from a, a tropical storm to a Category Three hurricane in about thirty hours. You got. It, it seems you have it, those storms seem to just be absolutely determined to get down to the lowest pressure they possibly can, and you've and you've seen that over the years with some of the big ones. They just sit there and then they explode, and nothing seems to stop it. And there are times when you look at some of the the. I don't think it's the case this time around because everything right now is just lined up perfectly for it to just keep intensifying. But in those instances, you could look at the you, you look at what's going on and and you think that okay, well, it'll get strong, but there's some limit here, there's some upside limit. Uh, this one wants to this one wants to go, and 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 it might it might get to us. It's going to be a strong four when it touches the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, and and Yucatan Peninsula had uh, uh, in 2005 with Wilma, Wilma uh, got to 150 mile per hour. That is the strongest. A hurricane that has ever affected the Yucatan, and now here we are in yet another uh, exceedingly intense hurricane season. Once again, the Yucatan is being threatened, and once again, it looks like it's going to be threatened by a very, very potent uh, system, which may challenge Wilma's 150-mile-per-hour record if it all falls into place. Yep. All right, big hello to everybody on the chat board tonight. If you're watching and you're new to this channel, welcome to uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Show, which, by the way, uh, you can also listen to as a podcast, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Radio Podcasts, and a whole host of places where podcasts call home. And uh, this way, if you can't watch the show, you could always just stick your earbuds in, get on your treadmill or your bicycle, and uh, listen to us pontificate on the uh, on the weather ahead. So let us let us now pontificate, shall we? It's a five dollar word. I know. Yes, it is. Well, you know, I have a Walmart next door to me here at the hotel. So I, we have another we have another meteorologist. We have on the chat board. We have my wife, who is indeed a meteorologist. Yes, Mrs. Rayo is on. She's monitoring us very carefully. And she says, Delta's sudden intensification was a real surprise, exclamation point. I feel for those folks down in the Louisiana coast. How many times? I think I heard somewhere that this is the sixth time that Louisiana, maybe not a direct hit, but the sixth time that they have been in the cone of uncertainty of a tropical cyclone in just this season alone. It's unbelievable. Every year, every year, every hurricane season, no matter how active or or inactive they, they, they are, there's there's always one geographic area that seems to be the target. And in a busy season, you're obviously going to get multiple to multiple opportunities uh, to be the target. And Louisiana is definitely uh, been the pick. Yeah, so we're going to start off. We're going to take a look at the uh, latest satellite loop. And 
the um, I have yet to see Joe because it's so small in terms of the eye. The Hurricane Center has mentioned in the discussion that the the, the, the there's been a pinprick eye, uh, five nautical miles in diameter, and that's right. a, and that's another thing that tells you that this thing is, is is winding up. When they get eyes that when when the eye diameter is that tight, it's telling you that the the gradient is just incredibly tight over the over the scope of the entire storm. And and I, I know Johnny Quest sent me a, a question about that. What you know what what causes it? Well, you have to sort of look at what's going on in terms of the of everything else around it, uh, the 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 entire pressure field across the Gulf states and, and down in the uh, in, into the western Gulf of Mexico, and over the storm itself. You've got this incredible deepening going on. It um, you know the character of this storm with the dynamics involved is causing the eye to just be minuscule and i think joe we're gonna if this keeps up we're gonna get that buzzsaw look because it looks like it's on its it's on its way there i've mentioned a couple of times over the uh years here on joe and joe there was one storm in the mid 70s 75 i think it was uh hurricane gladys in the atlantic basin that looked like a cotton ball with a pinprick in the middle mm -hmm. and it had it had incredibly strong winds uh up until i guess uh gilbert or uh or uh, Gloria, uh, Gladys was the winner in terms of extreme uh, uh, sustained winds and also central pressure. Nine thirty nine. Uh, yeah, when it yeah, went so, when it went by us. Right. So you know you're right. When when they get to be that type of storm, very compact and also with the pinprick eye, that that is uh, one to uh, stay clear of. Yes. Unfortunately, the folks in the uh, along the Gulf Coast once again are watching this very carefully again another major threat for that part of the country. If you think back to Sunday's show, those of you on the chat board, and by the way, I should mention too that uh, Joe Rayo monitors the chat board through all of this. So if you've got questions, put them on there and uh, we will try to address them. Uh, we, we mentioned on Sunday's show that that when, when we're looking at the upper air with all of this, that the upper air with gamma, if you remember, gamma was to the west and uh, over the uh, northern part of the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, you were, we were dealing with strong southwesterly shear uh, going on, strong southwesterly winds in the upper atmosphere going on in the western Gulf of Mexico and a ton of dry air that was over there and gamma got ripped apart. And one of the, the pu puzzle pieces in all of this was that you, you could see that there was going to be development with, with Delta, and with, with what became Tropical Storm Delta. Uh, the question was whether the two circulations, how they were going to interact with each other, and weather models were having a really difficult time with it. You, you saw some of the models kind of even, the European in particular, just completely ignored uh, Delta, was was showing Gamma, but just basically did nothing with it right through, uh, at least through the run that I saw on Sunday. Uh, what wound up happening, is, one of the possibilities was that Delta circulation, once it got strong enough, it was basically going to just there wouldn't be any room, and it just completely overwhelmed uh, the 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 uh, entire scope across the Gulf of Mexico and in the in the western the west central and western Caribbean. It just completely took over, and you can still see the, the what's left of of the moisture from Gamma now basically has become the element to saturate 
the atmosphere. That was the big problem, Joe. We had a lot of dry air in the Gulf of Mexico. The models were showing the the, the uh, dry air disappearing and that the Gulf of Mexico was, was, was going to moisten up. It turns out that a lot of that moisture is being provide has been provided by what what is left of of gamma, and Delta's just kind of completely taken over. We need names for these storms. This, this, I can't do this. You know, I can't. How ironic! How ironic! <laughs> we, we ran out of names, proper names for the storms. We went to the Greek alphabet, and yet Delta, if I'm not mistaken, Delta could be a woman's name. Yes. Right? Well, I thought about that from uh, um, uh, from designing women. If we Delta Burke. Delta Burke, if you recall. Right. Uh, right. I have a hurricane loop here of the Titan view of 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 Delta, and still not seeing. I can't see the darn. I can't see an eye in this yet. It must be just absolutely. And I I I went on. I took the floater because it's so tight. And you know, watching Joe, looking at, at at the the way the clouds are behaving, you know, you're starting to see that feathering that's going on north of Cuba and into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, it, it's it still looks like something that's continuing to organize. I kind of saw a little bit, it looked like a little bit of an eye on the first couple of frames, really, really tiny, but. Uh, the thing we're going to be looking at, looking ahead now is for eyewall replacement cycles because that will probably, you know, that's going to put an end to the rapid deepening at some point, and you're going to have to replace the eyewall. So when does that take place? Does it take place? Uh, no sign of it occurring yet, according to the Hurricane Center. Uh, does that take place before it reaches the uh, northeastern corner of the Yucatan Peninsula? I don't know. And if it doesn't take place before, then you're going to take this in. Uh, pretty much at full strength. Right, right. And uh, I, I would suppose even the slightest little interaction with land might help to either stabilize or drop the uh, the uh, central winds down a few notches, but uh, it's still a very, very potent storm. And the other thing I noticed, Joe, on uh, on the storm track and uh, projection of intensity is they, they lower it from a four to a three, and then all of a sudden they go back to a four for a short while before driving it back to a three before landfall along the Gulf Coast on Friday. So I don't know how to, you know, I guess it's teetering on the brink between a, a very strong three and a, and, a, and, a, and, and, and a four for them to do that. Right. Of course, we've always said we've always said that the most difficult thing for any of the forecasters to try to attempt is how strong these things get. And uh, um, be it a three or a four, it's still... Uh, a storm that's loaded for bear. Well, I, I think I think the Hurricane Center is struggling with a couple of things in the longer term. One is, you know, they talked about the fact that the the shelf water in the northern Gulf, uh, where uh, you know the, the waters close to the coastline this time of year, tend to cool relatively quickly. So uh, that would be um, uh, an inhibiting factor with regards to strengthening, but that's no guarantee. And and the other thing is, you can have that cool shelf water. If this thing, when it gets into the Gulf, doesn't slow down and starts moving at, say, if it's moving at 18 or 20 knots when it's approaching the coast, its time over that shelf water is going to be absolutely minimal. So, right. and and that is, I I think they're you know they're struggling with that. They're struggling with the fact that they keep seeing some of the models producing, showing some some wind shear developing as it approaches the coast. But we've seen instances where models have done that 
uh, and it hasn't actually been real. I remember it, they did it, doing it with Hurricane Michael. I think it was showing up also with Hurricane Laura earlier this year. I put up the enhanced satellite here so that we could, you know, sometimes you could see the, the eye better on the enhanced. And actually, you do see it kind of pop up on the floater here a little bit. And get, I'll try to get really tight. It, it comes and goes. It's just really fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I am going to be really curious. This is going to be interesting to see how intense this gets. Uh, the other thing that the, the Hurricane Center mentioned, Joe, is the fact that once it gets into the Gulf of Mexico, particularly as it starts to make its approach uh, toward the uh, the central Gulf Coast, is that uh, it will probably expand in size. So you're going to see a rather large hurricane here. So even if it does come off its peak, uh, you are going to have um, a storm that is going to be, whose circulation is going to cover a good portion of the Gulf. And that's going to uh, that's going to create some storm surge issues uh, when uh, when this makes landfall. So th th there's always you know pluses and minuses with these sorts of things, and and, and this is going to be a tough one to resolve. Right, and uh, if there's a silver lining to this, Joe, the silver lining is is that it's happening now uh, or in the next couple of days, and not happening about the middle of next week. The middle of next week, we're going to have what uh, in some circles is known as a, a proxygean or a proxygean moon. And that is, is that the moon is going to be new. It's going to be turning new on October 16th. Uh, but this particular new moon is going to come within less than four and a half hours of the perigee point in its orbit. In fact, the moon's distance on October 16th, next uh, Thursday, I believe is going to be 221,700, is it Thursday? What, the 16th is, today is what, the- uh, Today's the 6th, so Thursday's the 8th, so yeah, uh, so wait, so today's the 6th, Thursday's the 8th, next Thursday's the 15th. So Friday. So Friday's the 16th. Right, so Friday the 16th, um, yeah, it'll be at 221,775 miles away, which is only three miles farther away than the full, the so-called supermoon of last April. So it's a very, very close new moon. And because the moon is on uh, the same side of the earth as the sun is, it's the lineup is sun, moon, and earth. So we have the combination of both the sun and the moon pulling on our tides, the so-called spring tides. Right. And for those of you who uh, went through earth science, uh, uh, you may remember in the discussion in earth science about eclipses and tides. Tidal force varies as the, in, as the inverse cube of the object's distance. So this month, the moon is going to be 14% closer than the full moon that we're going to have at the end of this month. Therefore, that new moon next Friday, not this Friday, but next Friday, would, it, would exert a 48% more tidal force than the spring tides that will come with the full moon at the end of this month. So we're very lucky, I guess, in a way that if you have to have a hurricane, have it now, get out of the way, because if it had waited a week while we had this enormous close new moon situation, the tides would have been just unbelievable. Right. Much far higher than, than anything I think anybody had ever has ever seen. You don't want to have a major tropical system coincide with those kind of tides, and that will be coming again a week from Friday. So again, if, you, if we're going to have a storm of this magnitude, let's have it now, get it out of the way before uh, the, the tides really start picking up during the middle and latter part of next week with that incredibly close new moon. Unless, of course, there's something else behind this. 
which oh, we yes. uh, so which 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 we'll take a look at a little later. So uh, in, in the meantime, let's run. Let's go through. I, I, uh, there's a recon, reconnaissance aircraft uh, on its way there now uh, to check it out. So I, I, I'm what we'll do is I'm going to look at these now, and then at the end of the show, we'll toward the end of the show, we'll come back uh, to get them updated. So uh, the um, latest aircraft is nowhere close yet. Uh, judging from the winds that, that have been, you know, what they're reporting so far, their pressures are still up above uh, like 1,004, so uh, they're still not there yet. And just uh, on the uh, the flight I pick. Feeling, I have a feeling a few of the guys in that aircraft are probably saying, thank God we're not there yet. Yeah, the, plane, the, the plane is roughly a 20 and a half and about 86.2. So it still has a, you know, has a good distance to get to. It's got to get down to like 17, 18 uh, right. before it, it really gets into the core. So, and that core is very, very tight. So we're, we'll, we'll check it out again a little bit later on. So uh, the, um, the hurricane tracking models are very close, obviously, with the uh, landfall coming soon uh, for the northeastern Yucatan Peninsula. You'd expect that all the models will be almost on top of each other, which they are. And while they start to spread out a little bit uh, when they go into the northern Gulf for the latter part of the week, so we're talking about 72 hours would be Friday afternoon where the 72-hour points are. Uh, so that's Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Uh, you are seeing uh, the points wide, but they're not that wide. The easternmost model is sitting over New Orleans. Uh, the westernmost model is uh, about, I guess, somewhere between Lafayette and Baton and uh, Lake Charles, and everybody else is somewhere in between. So the Hurricane Center, you with usually winds up taking the midpoint of all of this. Uh, the uh, once inland, uh, the systems move northeastward, and you do have a bunch of them that take it up the west side of the Appalachians. There's one that turns it straight east and takes it off the North Carolina coast. That seems to be the outlier. The other models don't really go out beyond 120 hours. So, uh, but the ones that do all seem to be taking some kind of remnant, remnant low to our West. Uh, the thing is we're going to have an onshore flow here with a high to the North and that's going to probably increase the moisture field. So it'll be interesting to see if we wind up getting rain out of this. And I think we're going to get something just exactly how much rain we get out of this remains to be seen. It's interesting, though, that the model that really didn't see this a couple of days ago, that was uh, uh, putting more uh, uh, of, uh, of an interest on gamma and not showing this at all, the European, the vaunted European model. And now, of course, we can see that the European really missed the boat on this. Yes. And now the European is also the model that if you want to look ahead to uh, next week, uh, uh, late in the holiday weekend, it is a holiday weekend, it's a Columbus Day weekend. Uh, the European is keeping all moisture out of here, uh, does not have for the tri-state area any precipitation through the end of the day Monday, whereas the, the GFS spills that moisture in and over us during the day on Monday and suggests that we could have uh, a wet Columbus day. So uh, take your pick. So far, the GFS has done a lot more or a lot better with this system from the get-go than uh, than the European. I, I would just say, I, I would just say with respect to the models going back days ago that they they all were struggling in one way or another with the fact that you had what appeared to be two so two circulations relatively close where where they all went down the tubes until 
You know, the GFS was the really the first one to figure out that, no, Delta was going to be the real deal and just take over, uh, whereas the other models were very slow on the uptake with regards to that. But they all were struggling with the, the, the idea of having a tropical storm sitting at 90 west and then another tropical system coming up through the Yucatan Channel you know, within within uh, several hundred miles, the two lows would be several hundred miles apart. One of them would, you know, one of them would have would would have to give. And as it turned out, uh, it's it's uh, it's gamma that gave gave way. Delta completely, completely taking over. Here's something you don't see very often, Joe, and that is the hurricane intensity models. And I I I I got I was struck today by when I saw this earlier. And we've we've had a couple of runs since then, but every single intensity model, even the weakest of the intensity models, has this as a category three. And the vast majority, well, right now, all of them have that have it as a category four. We have one, two, three, four of these uh, intensity models strengthening it to a category five. And one of them actually carries it as a Category 5, I assume, uh, right until landfall, uh, with uh, still a Category 5 at 84 hours. So that would be, if, if the timing is according to what, what the Hurricane Center has, uh, landfall sometime Friday evening. It's It has it coming down. Uh, it actually, Joe, it, it's got to be, it, this, this is really crazy because uh, the one, this, <laughs> I, I'm chuckling because the the one model on the intensity model plot 195 one, 190 knots okay yeah. so i mean it's really off the wall here uh with regards to its number it seems like that's a bit that that's a bit much okay that's a it's one of those things that when you when you get some of these storms that wind up really pushing you know pushing the extreme when you're looking at it a couple of days before, you feel, you feel I'm not predicting at all that that model is right with 190 knots. But this we're at a point now where we know we're dealing with we're, we're dealing with a very intense feature. Where the final upside is, I don't know. Um, I just did just did a quickie calculation. Uh, 190 knots is equal to 218.5 miles per hour. Nice. So <laughs> so okay, folks. So just to be clear. Neither Joe or I are forecasting this thing go to 190 knots. Okay, we're not. I'm just showing you that there is a model out there that is doing that. But um, the thing is, these intensity models, you know, you try to, you, you always try to look to see where's the, where's, where are the most, where's the most of them, where are they clustered at? That, that's that's, and they're all clustered inside the category four range, which is formidable enough. Um, you know, so. You know, you're going to push it up. If it winds up pushing up into a Category 5, we'll see. Uh, the storm will tell us, and uh, the recon reports uh, will um, will also tell us. So on the uh, la the uh, last advisory at 5 o'clock, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, thank you. The last advisory at 5 o'clock, 18.9 north, 84.1 west. Uh, the Hurricane Center is carrying 145 miles an hour, so it's not that far away. Moving west-northwest at 17, uh, they were carrying a pressure of 956 from the old recon, uh, the, the old reconnaissance aircraft report. So we'll get, we'll get a new number soon. And they do have it as a major Friday afternoon in that spot off the Louisiana coast offshore. 
so, um, you know, there was, they're thinking that maybe it weakens a little bit as it makes the final landfall, but it's still going to be, I mean, this is still going to be a powerhouse no matter what. And then, of course, you see the positions for Saturday. It's 2 p.m. Sunday. It's somewhere south of Nashville as a remnant depression. And, of course, again, we go to the question of whether that rain, the rain shield from this is going to wind up uh, coming our way. I still think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the risk is growing, but uh, it's only Tuesday. We should wait a couple more days to see if, if indeed we're going to have this carry up to up northeastward, or is it going to just kind of get deflected eastward? Uh, we'll figure that out in, in, in the next couple. Okay. Are you good so, with that? Oh, I'm, what else can you possibly say after all of that? <laughs> and if it does get to 190 knots, we apologize, Louisiana. Right. Oh, God. All right. So so here's the upper air with all of this. If you're wondering just exactly you know, how, how this is all coming about with respect to the upper air, one of the things you always look for is an upper air anticyclone or high. And just rolling back uh, with with all of this, and I'm going back now to, to, um, to Sunday, where gamma is there, okay, uh, what we had at the at at this point was the disturbed weather that was Delta, and it, you will find it. Uh, it was inside this area of uh, in the blue and the white. Though that is indicative of light upper air winds. Now Gamma, on the other hand, was dealing with this mess in the western Gulf of Mexico, where you had that whole big area of red. Uh, that's uh, 40 knots of shear. Uh, from the southwest and gamma ran into that and just kind of got ripped apart and of course as as the system that winds up developing into delta uh, starts to suddenly explode and you see it here yesterday afternoon the 998 low if you can see it those light uh, the, the light those arrows running that's showing you the wind flow at 200 millibars so we're looking up at about say 30,000 feet roughly and that is the the uh, there is an upper air high or an anticyclone right over the center and it, what's important about this is, is a there's no wind shear uh, no no appreciable wind shear and the fact that with the upper air anticyclone the upper high over it uh, you are creating a an excellent outflow mechanism and here is as as it deepens and moves west northwestward and remember now we're at tuesday afternoon where we had a 956 pressure and the gfs here is a 978 you have this very very strong upper air high now notice what's happened in the western gulf that all that shear all the strong southwesterly winds retreating back to texas and into the inland areas of the gulf states which leaves uh, delta so look at how big this upper air high is. I mean, this is really crazy. But I mean, it's huge. This is all anticyclonic flow here in, in the highest levels of the atmosphere. It's got this huge upper high sitting over the storm. No wonder it's doing what it's doing. And as we move it into the Gulf of Mexico, it holds on to that upper high. Although, again, when we start to turn it up toward the coastline, you see that shear that's going on the stronger southwest winds in east texas and then the, it, the model starts to develop some stronger winds over so you don't know if that's actual wind shear or if that's the storm itself ref, uh, reflecting that so uh, you got to be really careful here 
with the with, with trying to figure out exact intensity with, with with the time of landfall and the models you know it gets it down in the gulf it gets it down to a 958 well uh, guess what it's already past it's already been underneath that so you got to figure that the models are are are, are going to play a little bit of catch up here when it comes to uh, the lowest pressure it uh, and and you know even though we have on the official <clears throat> excuse me on the official uh, guidance models uh, possible landfall in Louisiana I'm sure that the folks along the the Texas Gulf Coast are keeping a very very sharp eye out for uh, any uncertain or any unexpected moves further to the west right. which uh, may play into uh, our, our dear friend uh, Addison Green who is in Houston Texas I'm sure that the uh, uh, powers that be at the television station he's at say, uh, telling him and telling all the meteorologists look even though it's not officially coming this way let's make sure that it you know we, we keep everybody posted because you never know and that's that's the truth with the, these kind of storm system sometimes right so on the latest run you know the global models are all close to uh, those hurricane tracking models we're not going to really see too much difference here you see the landfall this is uh, at zero z saturday so this is at eight o'clock friday night uh coming in uh in southeast louisiana i'm going to pull up and by the way uh special thanks to levi cowan of Trop tropical tidbits uh for uh, his wonderful maps that we're able to look at all these different um uh, uh, models uh, to uh, try to help us along with all of this. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Joe. I'm going to pull up the HWRF because See, what you're showing right now. Well, actually, you're not showing it now. You showed it about 30 seconds ago. Uh, the GFS average uh, precipitation rate map, and you were looping it, Joe. And at one particular point in that, as, as you're moving it along, it looked for all the world like it was going to head right for the Texas Louisiana border, and then all of a sudden, it does that 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 curve or turn to right. the northeast. And what I'm saying is that sometimes on sheer, if the, if the thing is moving fast enough, on sheer momentum. Momentum. Yeah, it could just, it, it, it may continue on that course for just a little while longer and really scare the you-know-whats out of anyone who lives near the Texas-Louisiana uh, uh, border. Not to say that this is not going to be a potent storm along the Texas Gulf Coast as well, but uh, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, significant major landfall, uh, uh, tidal flooding, the whole nine yards. That that seems to be targeting uh, the, you know, Louisiana coast, not necessarily the Texas coast. Right now, the HWRF model, which loves to it 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 loves to make category four and category five hurricanes all the time, even with the weakest systems, it likes to, to it, it over it, it it has overdone things, but this time around, at least it's the closest one. As for uh, this afternoon at two o'clock, it had a 951 pressure being indicated. Uh, it actually takes it down as it approaches the Yucatan Peninsula to a 933, uh, which would be a Cat 5 uh, or close to a Cat 5. Then it, it weakens a little bit. It fills a little bit uh, to the midnight to about 951 until it comes out the other side. It's, it's going to only cross a minimal amount of land, by the way. And then once it's in the Gulf, it gets back down to a 933, 32, 930. And it's a 930 pressure when it's at 25.6 and 92.8. And then it starts to come up a little bit so that by the time it reaches the Louisiana coast, it's about a 951. 
which would still be a strong three or a, or or a, you know or, or a I hate to, I hate to use the phrase weak four, um, uh, but yeah, I mean that that that's almost it sounds ridiculous to say it. And that's that's I was having that problem before when I said that it was going to be a a strong category three, and I said I was going to say something like that a week four, but how do you say a week four for like 145 mile per hour winds? It's crazy. Now here's the H bond model. And by the way, when you look at these things, just bear in mind that what happens is you know, the storm stays at the center of the picture and the geography moves. So uh, it can it, it can kind of freak you out a little bit when you're trying to figure out, OK, what's the real motion here? But uh, the H-Mon is supposed to be a, a model that you sort of look at. And these are 18Z runs, by the way. This is a new 18Z run H-Mon that's com uh, model that's coming out. So it's got a 949 pressure that it doesn't really get much deeper as it goes onto the coast uh, of the Yucatan, uh, fills to about a 964. And then when it's in the Gulf, it gets down to a 44. So here it is at this point in the Gulf of Mexico, it's at 25.3 and about 92.7 so it's a 944 pressure gets to a 3839 as it approaches 28 north and then by the time it gets to the coast it fills it's about a it's a 945 when it's approaching the coast joe and then it's a 953 once it's inland so it, it's showing those pressures coming up a little bit and what you're seeing by the way the purple and red that's the uh what the wind field is supposed to look like so the purple uh, is 64 knot. The pur all the purple is the hur the uh, extent of hurricane force winds. So you have a very large area of hurricane force winds approaching the coastline. And of course, once it's inland, you see the wind field does, you know, obviously the wind field does weaken a bit, uh, but you get the idea. Um, all the models have some kind of major coming on shore uh, to, to uh, all, all the hurricane models seem to have a major coming ashore on the uh, Louisiana coastline. And it's maybe in west of New Orleans again, which for my friends in New Orleans, that's a that's a great thing uh, if that happens. Uh, but it's not good for the folks that live further to the west, uh, obviously. And uh, will the Hurricane Center has I, I, did I I don't know did they put up I didn't look on the advisory Joe did they put up Japan to see it if they put up well I don't think they put watches up yet. But they're going to do it so. if they have they're going to do it very soon. They have we're at the point now, so they're going to have to do it. Um, very, very soon. So just to go. Unfortunately, all the, unfortunately, all of the nonsense that's going on other in, in the world today has kind of been, I mean, in a normal situation, five, 10, 15 years ago, potential category four to make landfall at weeks and along Gulf Coast, that would have been near the top of the news. And I watching the evening news tonight, uh, the CBS evening news with Nora O'Donnell, for example, had to wait like 15 or 17 minutes into the news. Right. Before there was a mention of this potentially cataclysmic storm coming for the Gulf Coast at the end of the week. It's, it's, it's a crazy world that we're living in in 2020. Mm -hmm. I know. The apocalypse is everywhere. So um, let's let's look at the upper air because this is going to be really important with regards to what happens with regards to the, the rain getting here for the holiday weekend. And by the way, you know, we're... we're People, the reason why I, I, I'm bringing that up is the, because a few people have asked me, a number of people have asked me, well, you know, we're going to get rain, you know, at some point over the holiday weekend. And um, that, that, that's, that's the question that's front and center. Obviously, we're not going to get anything like what they're going to, what they're going to experience down uh, in, um, in, in Louisiana, assuming that the Delta maintains its strength. But right now, 
you know, we, of course, we've got this strong upper trough, Joe, that's swinging through here and, you know, going very, very tight. I'm guessing that they're figuring that some of that is going to mix down and the, and the shortwave does strengthen a bit as it goes by. So uh, I don't think we're going to see much in the way of any showers out of it, though. Those should stay up to our north. And uh, Delta, of course, is, is dealing with the fact sitting right there over the state of Florida. So it's moving around the periphery of that upper high. And you've got these northwest winds in the upper atmosphere, which uh, which cover the Great Lakes, the northeast into the mid-Atlantic states, which would be a shield for us, except that that's going to give way. And those westerlies are going to pull up. So, so as we go into the weekend, the, the, the question for me, Joe, is, there's another short wave that's going to move through Saturday night into Sunday morning. That brings a cold front through here and builds a high to our north. The upper air winds, those westerly winds in the upper upper atmosphere, retreat up into a Canada because into Canada because there's a weak ridge that builds from the great the northern Great Lakes northward, and the remnant system of Delta winds up, you know, moving underneath all that. So the question is. You know, how much does it lift up the coast? And I and, and that, I think, is going to depend on the next trough that's coming into the west, uh, because the GFS has it already in the eastern plains by by Monday. And that might be enough to lift it more northeastward rather than than shove it eastward. My wife just uh, made an announcement over the intercom, but I was concentrating on watching the map and listening to you, and so I have no clue. I know I have no idea what she was trying to tell me because I don't exactly have the intercom up at a well. As long as she's not telling you that the house is on volume here, so right. Uh, as long as she's not telling you that the house is on fire. Well, okay, and you need to get out. I don't smell smoke, so that. <laughs> nah, but uh, but any case, um, yeah, I, uh, absolutely everything that you what you said. And I mean, look at that, look at that flow over the northeastern United States. That, I mean, that that strong north. And, you know, that's that's the key right there to where Delta is going to go. And it appears that that upper air that the GFS is showing is a bit different than the upper air that the uh, European is going. Which we could take a look at. One model is projecting wet weather, wet weather for for us for the for the end of the holiday weekend, while the other is keeping us bone dry right on through Monday. Well, this is Monday morning on the GFS, Monday morning on the European. And you can see that you can see how that, the, you know, the uh, the flow becomes southwesterly and any kind of moisture that we have is obviously going to be uh, advected uh, into our area by Monday, uh, according to the GFS. But the European still has northwest winds in the upper atmosphere from northern Virginia on up through New England. And it also has, you know, it takes the bottom part of that trough out in the west and, and cuts it off in Colorado. So uh, the shortwave that that represents what's left of Delta just kind of gets lost in the sauce here on the European. In fact, the, a big ridge builds up the east coast early next week on the European going into Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, it kind of makes sense why the European doesn't seem to be doing what the GFS is. We're back. We're back. Something I don't know what we're talking. What you? I, I I did get a message by the way that my uh, internet was suddenly unstable. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Well, I I didn't see any kind of. 
turbulence on my end, so I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I'm going to make sure. I want to close. I'm going to close off a couple of these satellite loops so that. Um, close your windows, Joe. Exactly. So let me get let me get rid of this and let's get rid of this. Because if I have too many GIFs open, then uh, sometimes it it uh, it creates a uh, an issue. Yeah, I just got this. Yeah, I had gotten this uh, instability warning, but hopefully everything seems to be uh, a bit better. So let's just go back to what the models are doing. And the other thing I wanted to bring up uh, in the longer range is with this trough that's coming into the west. We don't want to forget our friends out on the west coast who are waiting for you know a good solid soaking rain, and I think they're going to see it uh, come uh, the weekend. Uh, but here's here's the full view. Of what's happening so you know our weather of course once this front goes by uh we're going to get that cooler air that chilly air for thursday and friday friday morning is going to be cold in the northeast and down in the mid-atlantic states for this time of year a lot of uh, 30s and 40s everywhere and but we'll stay dry at least we know that we're not going to get anything of consequence certainly through um saturday and into sunday and then it'll be a matter of you know, the high building into the north, how much does that lift? And, of course, in the meantime, out in the west, you've got that, all that energy coming in with heavy rain from Washington into northern California. And that translates eventually east of the Rockies as that trough moves eastward. And another shortwave trough uh, with some rains from Washington, Oregon, and northern California for the first part of next week. But you see what the GFS does with the low uh, moving up, you know, the remnant low, which is just really – it's not really that important uh, it, but it, it's it's the upper feature lifting northward that pushes up that rain. And on this run of the GFS, Joe, unlike the last couple of runs, which kind of brought the rain shield up to maybe somewhere between you and Albany, the northern fringe, you know, now it mm -hmm. seems to want to sweep that rain all the way up uh, into uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, and upstate New York. Uh, so it, 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 the, the push on the GFS here is a bit stronger. We could take a look at the parallel GFS. How about we do that? Sure. Uh, so let's see the parallel GFS. Oh, this is not going to help us too much because apparently the last one was from 2 a.m. yesterday. 2 a.m. I'm sorry, 2 a.m. this morning. Uh, the parallel wasn't bringing this up, but now suddenly it's bringing it up as well. Uh, but it's slower. It doesn't get it here until Monday, you know, during the day Monday and Monday night, and it's still doing it Tuesday during the afternoon. So I don't know how real that is. Uh, it kind of holds on to that big high to the north. It doesn't really get it out of the way. So there's a lot, there's a lot of surface complications here that we're going to have to, going to have to figure out. And I, I just don't think we're going to, we're going to know. Uh, if WPC is a clue on their latest forecast, Joe, they did increase the rain here now uh, on their seven day forecast. They do have, and this has all got to be from Delta. Uh, they do have, you see the, Five to ten inch rains plus going into Louisiana, obvious that which is obvious. Uh, three inch plus rains reaching up uh, into Kentucky, parts of western Kentucky and western Tennessee. But now, Joe, they have, you know, the half an inch goes up to Albany, and uh, the inch and a quarter to an inch and a half uh, southeast New York, southern Connecticut, most of Connecticut, Long Island, back through New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Then the rains get heavier in western Virginia, western North Carolina. So they're a little more bullish. Uh, when it comes to uh, the, 
uh, with the rainfall now than they were uh, on their uh, last uh, several forecasts from the folks at WPC. And in the west, you can see the heavy rains from the Pacific Northwest down into Northern California, and even some rain showing up into Central and Southern California, which will uh, help to uh, help the wildfires there, which have flared up, help uh, quench the wildfires there, which have flared up once again. I also see uh, on the chat board right now, Mr. Blandino has arrived. Maybe uh, Sal is Sal is beside himself. Um, which uh, over whether it will we will get some rain. I Sal, I saw your messages. I did not get a chance to respond to them, but uh, you can uh, watch through this whole video uh, and 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 figure it out. Uh, but hold on, to, you know, stay calm. And by the way, Joe, we're back. Uh, we're back up full screen now. I might also point out that uh, uh, our Columbus Day is for Canada. Their Thanksgiving Day. So they don't want any kind of unsettled weather for Thanksgiving. Uh, but it, uh, it looks like right now that most, if not all, of uh, Delta's uh, remnants will probably stay just south of uh, the Canadian border, at least on Monday, regardless of what model you decide to side with or choose. Uh, Sal says that he's praying for Delta's remnants not to get this far north late Sunday into the entire uh, day of Columbus Day. I don't want late Sunday into the holiday ruined. Well... You know what? Pray very hard. Get yourself a, a St. Joseph statue, a St. Anthony statue, a St. Patrick's. How about St. Swithin? Get a St. Swithin statue. Ah, St. Swithin's Day, July 15. And of course, if you if you have... Uh, oh, um, incidentally, that, that reminds me, Joe. You, I, I posted this on my Facebook page. An interesting uh, um, uh, piece of uh, information, climatological information. The 6th of October over the last 60 years at Central Park has been the day, the calendar day, with the least amount of precipitation. It has only rained or showered or precip 10 times out of uh, the last 60 years. So if you, it, 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 the odds are that if you schedule something out of doors on this day, is a fairly good chance based upon you know, at least 60 years worth of long-term records, that'll be dry. This is the day with the least amount of precipitation that has occurred over the last uh, 60 some odd years. Sorry for the buffering folks, but uh, we had an unstable signal that that popped up in the middle of the show. So nothing I can do about that. Uh, so my, but uh, my apologies, the, 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 I'm, the, the uh, chat is behind, I guess, because I'm, I'm reading folks mentioning about the, um, uh, the buffering issue. Okay. So, um, uh, I think we pretty much covered it from, from start to finish. So let's take a look. I'm going to go back. I said we'd go back and take a look and see what the recon was up to. So let, let's do that. Uh, I'll bring the uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll uh, see if, if they've gotten close enough to get a a, a, a a reading from the center. I'm thinking they're still probably not quite there yet. Uh, oh, and well, yes, indeed. So um, all right. So it looks like – it looks like the pressure's leveled off on this first pass. It's around 955, 56-ish, or maybe a little higher than that. It's hard because the red line is the um, is, is the pressure. Blue is the flight level winds. Flight level winds, 90 knots, 90 knots on the 10-meter wind. But, but remember, you gotta you, you you don't know they're coming in from the northwest, so you're you're going to see the weaker winds there. You have to wait till they do several passes and they go around the other side to see what, 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 what they've got. 
And on the graphic, uh, I'm seeing, okay, stay still on the graphic, which usually runs a little bit behind. The graphic time is 2348. It's actually pretty, it's only four minutes ago. Um, I'm looking at the wind barbs. So I'm trying to see, so you see the thing is coming in from the north, on the northwest side. So a lot of purple wind barbs, which is 64 to 83. And I think, well, it's hard to see because there might be some white wind barbs. I can't, I, I'm i looking really close here. No, uh, definitely some 83 to 96 knots on the flight level. I see those wind barbs there, but I don't see any 96 to 103. Uh, the wind goes northwest and then you see it goes southwest. So the, the center is right. They made the first pass. It's right here. Okay. And in fact, if you look at the wind barbs, I'll take the, the wind barbs actually show that the winds all drop off right near the center. All of a sudden, you're down to under gale force. Uh, you got uh, 30, 40 knots, 34 knots, and then it, and it goes underneath that in that space that's in between the set of wind barbs that have northeast winds and then the set of wind barbs that have southwest winds. So uh, we're getting the latest information now. And let's just really quick take a look at uh, I'll bring up to see if they got the new advisory up to be the eight o'clock, the eight o'clock and the no, the new advisory is not up. Uh, the uh, there is disturbed weather, by the way, they were following disturbed weather that they stopped following it. But the, there is disturbed weather in the eastern Caribbean that kind of uh, looks like it's flared up again today, uh, whether the, whether they mention it or whether it does something down the road. But. Uh, I did happen to notice, Joe, that the upper air winds across all of the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico for late weekend, early next week, you have um, very light, very light upper air winds. So um, perhaps we, we could see conditions becoming conducive for development if that disturbed weather that is uh, in the eastern Caribbean winds up uh, uh, holding together as, the, as that moves westward. That's the one that's waiting for the new moon next week. Right. Uh, I, I can really quick, uh, with hopefully not risking the uh, uh, the the live stream. Let me let's bring up the the Canadian. I'm sorry, the Caribbean. Uh, but you can see the flare up of, of of clouds and showers going on. It's disorganized in the eastern Caribbean and over the Leeward Islands. So this is the system that's been kind of sitting out there uh, for uh, the last couple of days, and we'll we'll have to see you know what happens most of the clouds are blowing away to the northeast so there's some wind shear going on there now but if something survives out of that as it heads westward then uh, maybe uh, that might wind up flaring up but who knows we'll see the we'll, we'll, we'll see as we go forward sal blandino um, always, always the optimist <laughs> points out that last i just said that october 6th has the distinction of being the date least likely to have reported measurable rain at central park that again, the last 60 years, um, there has been uh, only 10 dates that have had uh, measurable precipitation on this day, the 6th of October. No rain fell in the 17 years between 2002 and 2018. Sal has just posted that last year, October 6th was a miserable day. It was cloudy <laughs> and we did have last year. And in fact, I did a little checking and I found that, yes, there was a brief evening shower that amounted to one one hundredth of an inch 
at Central Park. Yeah, well, that's, that's enough to make my life a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first measurable rain last year to fall on this date since 2001. But Sal wants us all to know about it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So let's do um, let's do a little bit of Briller Jeopardy. The chairman Scott Briller is still struggling with uh, this whatever he's picked he picked up down in South Jersey. The bug uh, that he picked up uh, the um, uh, the cough has come back. Uh, he did get tested for COVID. He tested negative. I think he's going to probably ask for a retest because because. We know there are cases where you get false negatives and false positives, so we'll see. But he did. So, of course, we continue to wish him well, and hopefully he will be back on the board because everybody misses you, Scott. Okay. Yes. Including Joe and I. So, you know, take, fix, get this get this done. <laughs> get better. All right. So, we did leave me a Briller Jeopardy. How many legs does a lobster have? How many legs does a lobster have? Right. Um, well, that's those... Does a claw count as a leg? I I, yeah, I don't know. I never six. counted a lobster's le legs. It's a six. I'll say eight. Close. Ten. Ten. Well, you know what? I counted the claws, and I know on the side there's like three little things on each side. And I'm saying to myself, now there are two other protrusions in the back. I said, I'm not sure about that, so I'll leave them out. So Right. And they... All right, so we all know Google, of course. So what was the original name for Google? Goggle. I don't know. <laughs> you, you, unless you unless you really did the research, you never you that would never come up with this. Backrub. Really? Apparently, yes. You know, before Google. So so I would say I would be saying instead of saying Google something, you know, I just Google it. You would say just backrub it. <laughs> I mean, just... Before Google, before I discovered Google, I used to rely heavily on Ask.com, who had a trademark, Jeeves. I don't know if you ever. I mean, Ask, Ask Jeeves, of course. That got bought out by somebody. Yeah. yeah. Or as Jerry Seinfeld said, if you name a kid Jeeves when he's born, you pretty much have outlined or mapped out what he's going to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the game of bingo, what number is represented by two little ducks? I have, you know, I've maybe played bingo three times or four times in my life. I wouldn't, wouldn't even begin to guess what, what it is. Now, this actually, this actually takes me back to my youth because um, my grandfather, now you got, uh, my, my grandfather was, was um, a very interesting, very interesting man. He rarely spoke. My mother's here, and she'll verify this. So my grandfather rarely spoke. So, 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 but when he did, when it, but when he did, it was such an event. You'd listen, okay? He was very quiet. He was a tall, lean man. He was like six three, two six six two six three six four ish, um, and you, I, you, you, he rarely lost his temper. He had a very calm demeanor. But one thing he did know. And it was uh, it often would show up after at least a few glasses of wine was that during Christmas and New Year's, we would play an Italian version of bingo, which had 90 numbers. And each number was um, he would there would be a, a, a character 
of what of, of what the number looked like. So for example, 22 is two little ducks. So like if you envision 22 and to then kind of put in your mind two ducks standing side by side, you can kind of right. you make out where they got that. So they would call out a number. So for example, um 89, 88, okay, was um uh, which meant a mouse with glasses. And then 89, right, was um, a mouse without glasses. Right, Mom? Was Otandanov Senzalokyal? You remember? I remember. So there were certain numbers, like one number, of, uh, which number was Ladis Grads? Remember? I think so, seventeen. So you, they pull out seventeen, and somebody would yell in Italian, "Dicasette," and you would hear this voice come out from nowhere, "La disgrazia," which meant the the, the, the disgrace, bad luck. the bad luck, the disgrace. And this is what he would do. He was great. He, you know, you, and I, it's it's funny because I these are the funny the things you remember and the things you don't. The things that that uh, impact your life, but that was uh, always brings happy smiles to my face because I don't I don't know why I don't know why, but as you were telling that story, well, and again I don't know why it popped into my head. I'm thinking about the Abbott and Costello routine with the dice. Right, a little Joe. Right, exactly. Yeah, a three, a little Joe. Right, exactly. Yeah, um, box cars. Do you know? By the way, let it ride. Now that, right, now that you brought this up. Now that you brought this up, do you know that uh, I could uh, I used to refer to 55 was double nickels, six, right. 66 was um, box cars. And I stole that from you, Joe. Right. And there's a whole bunch of those dice calls. And I used to right. use them. Do you know that they told me to stop using them when I was working on television? That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, why would you... I, I, I tell you, based upon, you know, I unabashedly, I stole double nickels from yeah. you. No, I, right? which is fine. I used, it in my, I used it in my News 12 for God knows how many years. I was once uh, our sports director, Walt Fowler. Uh, they had the Westchester Country Club uh, golf tournament. A big golf tournament was happening there. And I had to do a story with Walt about how they forecast the weather in case there's lightning on the golf. Thing. I was pulled over. On the way into the country club, I'm pulled over by by a patrol car, and the guy comes out and he says, "I just want you to do one thing for me, Joe." I said, "What?" He says, "When it's 55 degrees, what what's it what is it out there?" And I said, "Double nickels." He said, "Double nickels, I love it, Joe. Yeah. You're my <laughs> right." So it right double. And they told you to stop it. Yeah. This is they, when I say they, I'm talking about management. Okay. Well, yeah, at the time. Why would they do that? That's a conversation that I would uh, I could have with you off camera, but let's just say that there was a certain person who had a problem with it, and oh well. Well, so you know, so you know where that goes. Um, so yeah, twelve for example is craps, box cars, automatic craps, all the spots we got, uh, outstanding in your field. I don't know how they got that from six and six, triple right. dipple. In the lucky ducky, double saw on boxcars. Okay, so yeah. um, let's see. An eight, so that'd be four and four. 
uh, was a square pair, a mom and dad, and Ozzy and Harriet, the, the windows, uh, Ader from Decatur. All right. Uh, let's see. Five was after five, the field's alive, 32 juice roll, or a little Phoebe. So a four was a little Joe, and a five was a little Phoebe. Right. All right. A three uh, was an ace-deuce, ace caught a deuce, winner on the dark side, three craps three, the indicator, small ace-deuce can't produce, the other side of 11's tummy, and then, of course, a two, which is a one and a one, craps twos, two aces, snake eyes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, double nickels, couldn't do it. You know, it can't, you can't say that. New 8 p.m. update, according to Timothy Veltman, is up and uh, still 145 mile per hour for Delta, 956 millibars central pressure. All right. So that wraps up tonight's Joe and Joe weather show. So the next time you go to uh, the Atlantic City or Las Vegas, make sure you uh, uh, look up all the names. So that if you if you do you play on the craps table, you can impress everybody or at least or 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 they'll look at you like you know you're some kind of loser for, for doing that quickly to Johnny Quest there is a new comet it believe it or not the name is the like the one we had over the uh, summertime neo wise it's it was discovered by the same robotic telescope but it's a tiny little thing and it's not expected to get very bright uh, of course that's what we said with the first neo wise so we'll we'll keep an eye on it but it is expected to pass by the earth i think like 35 million miles in uh, in November. And one other thing, Joe, about the tomorrow, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the SPC. Most interesting, they have moderate risk of severe thunderstorm over upstate New York. And usually the moderate risk is surrounded by a, a relatively large area of general thunderstorm activity. The general thunderstorm activity is literally like two miles you, you, outside you, of the- You mean a marginal risk? Marginal, marginal risk. risk. Not a, here, here, I put. I got the map up. Yeah, they got a marginal risk upstate New York, north of Albany, Vermont, New Hampshire, and into southern Maine. Right, but you would think you would think that that would uh, include a general, general thunderstorm, thunder but, it but it doesn't. Yeah, it just yeah. It, it 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 just it, they draw the line and it stops. Right. Yeah, usually right. they have, yeah, it's a time of year. So, because when we look at that front for tomorrow, the precip, you know, cuts off sharply uh, in southern New England and points south. I mean, we, except for clouds, we may not see much of anything from it. Right. And I'm going to give you a, not not a briller jeopardy, but a, a Friedelwitz or Friedelwitz jeopardy. Okay. Rob, Rob Friedelwitz, who has an amazing website, which uh, contains all sorts of stuff about New York weather. Um, and statistical information, it's, it's great. I'm gonna ask you this question, Joe. When was the last time at Central Park, the last time we had temperatures hit or go above 80 degrees? This year? At Central Park, this year. When was the last- Well, we haven't done it in October, so that's right there. Um, so the last time the high went above 80? Correct. I guess we have to go back sometime in mid-September. Well, the, the last time it hit 80 plus at Central Park was September 10th. Okay. And and Rob points out that although highs in the 80s and even the 90s occasionally occur in October, and last year we had a 93 degree reading on the 2nd of October, 
If 2020's final reading of 80 plus remains on September 10th, it'll be one of the earliest dates on record for this occurrence. In other words, no 80 after September the 10th. That's that's very, very unusual that we've not, that we we stopped right at, at, at that point, that early in the, uh, oh. in the season. Well, we have, we've had a lot of cool shots come down. This has been... Uh... This has been probably the most typical fall that we've seen in, in quite a few years. It actually arrived oh. on time. <coughs> um, right. Christina Pedia asked me, by the way, Frank Riccio, it is 17. Frank Riccio points out 17 is, the, we weren't sure, but 17 is a bad luck at the number in Italian. La disgrazia. Um, so Christina Pedia asked me, how, how, how did I do on the Preakness? Well, here, here's the thing about what happened with the Preakness. Uh, Swiss, Swiss, Swiss skydiver, the Philly. Uh, very good filly, by the way. Very, very good filly. Uh, she uh, was morning line five to two, okay? And and oftentimes when fillies run in boys' races, they get bet heavily, and they don't always offer value. So I thought that five to two was just too low a price to, to take on her. Uh, so I, I actually didn't pay any attention to the race until after, after it was over, I looked and saw that not only did Swiss Skydiver win, but she didn't go off as as, as a five to two or less. She went off at eleven to one, and paid twenty six dollars. So, the moral of the story is that I, I should probably have paid attention more when it comes to this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I really didn't pay too much attention to the race after I saw who was running it. I saw her in there. She was five to two. I didn't think it was worth putting a bet down for five to two, and she winds up paying uh, uh, going off at eleven to one. Uh, which was a great price I for totally, that horse. I, I totally forgot. We, my wife and I, we always get a, there's a brief surge of excitement. Oh, turn on Channel Four. The race is coming on. You know, for the Kentucky Derby and for the Belmont. Totally forgot that the Freakness was this past weekend. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Because there's no build up to it. You know, there was no build right. up. It, the races will run completely out of order, and there's no crowds. It, it, it's everything this year has an asterisk next to it. And Timothy Beltman says, I'm, I'm being a bad boy promoting dice gambling on, on the news with his double nickels and box cars. <laughs> Listen, with all the sins that are occurring across the globe these days, uh, me, me mentioning about playing dice is, is, I don't, Timothy, I don't think it's too big a deal. So, um, oh, good, you won 1270. So I only went, to, oh, Christina Pedia won 1270. So she only ended up down $18. <laughs> all right. Well, I would just uh, I would just be careful with that sort of math. If you carry it out in the long term, you're not gonna you're gonna wind up with very little. But hey, at least you cut your losses, which is a good thing. All right, Joe, coming up on they, they ran they, they they ran a couple of days ago on the, one of the early episodes of the Flintstones, where uh, Fred and Barney they 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 take their no 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 this is a this is one with with uh, they they put it on gravel pit and uh, some. <laughs> Southerner, some Southerner comes by and he says, he says, if you bet on Gravel Pit, boy, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times, don't bet on the races. <laughs> that was his <laughs> Oh, too funny. <laughs> they were going to use the money. They were going to use the money to buy a pool hall, Boulder Dan's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's let's hang it up here. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We really appreciate it. Have a great evening. Uh, it's one of our longer longer shows, so if you didn't hang around or you tuned in late, the, the podcast will be up in about an hour, and you can watch it 
I'm sorry, you can listen to it. Uh, you can find uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, a whole host of other places where podcasts call home. Have a great uh, day. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Good night, Mr. Rayo.